0: seven of season two. I'm Sophie and this is Oversharing Wearing, an honest account of living with anxiety. When I started my podcast back in the first lockdown, I very much wanted it to be a natural and honest account of living with anxiety. There have been points in my journey of podcasting where I've actually resented the fact that I'm an anxious person. It makes me feel like a failure, to be honest, because it's been so prohibitive in how I live my life and how I show up for myself. But the truth is, I know that I've discussed some incredibly personal things with you all. um, And I appreciate that some of it must have been really difficult to hear. And it has been a total tonic for me to be able to express myself and to be authentic about my experiences of living with anxiety. It's, uh, and it's been quite liberating. But there's been a, something that's happened to me in my past that I haven't actually discussed, which is a large part of why I get anxious. So I had to wait... Till I was completely ready to be able to talk about it. So, a trigger warning going forward that I'm going to be talking about uh, a serious sexual assault that I went through. I do feel re- <laughs> you can probably hear in my voice. I I'm really quite worried about talking about this. It's not um, something I I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about when. I would talk about it and to be honest this morning it just came to me that it was the right time to talk to you about this probably a large part of the jigsaw puzzle of if you like of of what has made me who I am and what has contributed to the anxiety. Those of you who've listened to my podcast in the past will might have heard about my Uh, abusive first marriage and the uh, trauma I had growing up with my dad so this one is very different and I think part of why I haven't talked about it until now is because I kind of have wanted to do talk about it with a level of intelligence and and I and to come across well and then I kind of thought, well, I've been through something really awful and there isn't necessarily a good way to talk about it other than to speak from my truth. And hopefully that will be enough. I, and I think it's really, really important to talk about this because there are huge, how do I put this, there are sexual violence against women. Is such a big thing. You get a group of women in a room, and guaranteed, there will be people that have been groped, wolf whistled, had inappropriate touching, or even worse, what I've been through. And there, are, we we are, we've been through a lot of trauma, and it's very very hard to talk about. But unfortunately, when I, what I went through when I was 21 is still the same today. And it's still a huge problem um, for in society, the violence against, against women. When I... I find it even really hard to use the word. When I was raped at university, I was 21 I'd been in a relationship with the person who raped me, and actually, it's you. It's very common that the person you you actually know the person that did the assault. I realise that I'm stumbling over my words, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm I I'm more nervous than I thought because I I want to talk about it because. So many women go through this and they don't know how to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it and I totally, totally get it. But I'm talking about it because if it can help just one other person to feel less alone and to know that I get it, I totally, totally get what you've been through. So I was at uni and I'd only dated this guy for a couple of weeks and he cheated on me and I, I didn't take it well. And I didn't really think anything more about him. He, he kind of freaked me out a little bit, if I'm honest. He was very intense and he had this real hang-up about um, being attractive and being attractive to women. And when he cheated on me, I just thought, well, you're not worth bothering with. So this one night, I went out to the union bar. I, I had some wine at home and I was pretty drunk I had more drinks when I was out I had on a a revealing outfit and we'd left on I will say this we parted on bad terms so there wasn't anything good about us and I'd uh but on this particular night I'd been drinking and he let me um I kind of let him walk me home. Uh I don't know why. I don't know why. And next thing he he'd come up the flat with me and um, we went into my room and the next thing um he raped me. I won't go into details because I don't want to upset anyone. But what I will say is it was so violent that I actually passed out. I don't. I then woke up and it was still going on and I just couldn't get him off me. I, I fought and I fought. And I know for people that I'm speaking to directly who've been through this, I completely understand the fear and the terror of not being in control. When I woke up, in the morning, he'd gone, and I was abs- I didn't, it took me a while to, to remember everything and to work out what was happening to me. I had physical um, evidence of what had happened. I was bleeding, and the phone rang. So, this was the day, but in the days before mobile phones, and it was him, and he was saying he was sorry. I don't remember what I said back. I don't remember what was said after that. But I had to go and do an exam. I remember going into the exam and sitting there thinking... I, I was dazed. I was so dazed. I just remember thinking, how, how can this have happened to me? This is all my fault. I've been drinking. I wasn't wearing the right outfit. You know, maybe I was asking for it. You know, what was I thinking? I didn't at any point think he was a monster at any point that came later so i knew that i had to go to the nurse because for the first number one i was really worried about getting pregnant so i went to see the nurse and i told her what happened and i expected her to be lovely but she wasn't she said i shouldn't have been drinking she said it was my fault she was absolutely vile to me. She judged me. I, I felt completely humiliated. I had to go to the hospital. I had to have an HIV check, pregnancy test, STI checks. Everything came back clear, thank God. I rang my mum and I just, I was hysterical. And there are a few things at this point which are really difficult to talk about, but I basically couldn't cope with what had happened to me. I was so floored by it, as as anybody would. And I kind of thought, what I can do is, the best thing to do is to pretend that it hasn't happened. I'm going to absolutely just get on with my life. But I would see him around and he looked like a wolf. To me, he was a wolf. He was... I I just could see him in the corners, like, slinking in the shadows. And I just was like, I can't live like this. I can't be anywhere near him. So I told my flatmates I was leaving university. I told the university I'd nearly... I was halfway through my second year. So I had was throwing away my whole university life because I didn't want anything of it. I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. I didn't even pack. I got my friend to send down my trunk with everything in it. I just left. I got on a train. And I think I've talked about this before, that I had terrible anxiety after university and I wanted to die and I told my parents. Now, I didn't discuss with my mum when I got home what happened. My parents didn't ask. They didn't have any inclination to ask me what was wrong. I they sent me to the doctor. I think I talked about that before in another episode. And I went on Prozac and I was in a complete and utter haze. And at this point, I thought the best thing to do is to act still like nothing's happened. So I I could sleep with men again, that would be no problem. So instead of I didn't want to be a victim. I didn't want to feel like he'd won, that I couldn't be sexually active again, that I couldn't, I couldn't not be attractive to men. So I went the other way. I was slept with a few people. I wasn't careful. I had to do take the morning after pill. And I, I very much was like, I'm not going to be the victim here. And at, But by that point, I was, had then got OCD, I lost loads of weight, I couldn't stop cleaning. And my dad came round. And those of you who know me or have listened to this podcast with that particular episode will know that he was an incredibly difficult, abusive person. And I just came out with it that I had been uh, raped. And he looked at me and he went, has it ruined your life? And I said no. And we have never, ever talked about it again. And that was 25 years ago. He never, there was no love, there was no care, there was nothing. I hadn't discussed it with my mum. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I was a mess. I think the thing is, the, the one thing I remember very clearly is I thought, I'm not going to be a victim, this isn't going to ruin my life, I'm not going to let this define me. And to a certain extent, if I'm really honest, it hasn't. But then, of course, you dig deeper. I then went into a marriage quite quickly with someone who was equally abusive and as difficult as my dad. Because I didn't respect myself. I I had no boundaries, emotional or otherwise. I just... I wanted to be loved. I think that's the bottom line. I wanted to be loved and I, I thought, if I'm in this marriage and I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And, and when I got pregnant, it was with my first son, it was like, my body's done this amazing thing. I'm doing this amazing thing. And to be honest, for a long time, I didn't think about what happened at university. I, I managed to somehow block it out because that's what you do. When people have been through deep trauma they they would go to any lengths to bury it and i didn't i i didn't touch alcohol for 13 years because i was so terrified of losing control if i did have a sip of wine i'd go bright red because i just i went straight back there i was terrified of not being in control the turning point of coming to terms with it actually happened when i got pregnant with Um, my daughter. So I'd obviously left my first husband by then. And I was in a, I'd been with my now husband for a year and I'd got pregnant. He knew everything. He was incredible. I was very open with him quite early on. I think if, if truth be told, I think I was probably testing him to kind of say, look, I've been something through horrific. I feel like damaged goods. I can understand if you don't want to get involved. I don't know. Maybe I, that was, I probably sound a bit dramatic. I don't know. But I did feel like damaged goods. And if I'm honest, there is a little bit of me that still feels like damaged goods. Because once someone has violated your body, once someone has touched you and you didn't want them to, you do not ever feel the same about your body again. You just don't. Because someone did something to you that they, you didn't condone. The turning point came when I had my daughter. I really wanted a girl. And when she was born, she was absolutely perfect. And I had an incredible midwife. And she came round to see me. And I said to her, I am terrified of changing my baby's nappy. Because I couldn't bear to look at her little bits. I was terrified of hurting her when I changed her nappy. And I turned to my midwife and I said, "Something awful happened to me a few years ago, and I'm I'm terrified." And she just held me. Of all the people that could have been kind and that I expected, she wasn't it. But she was there for me, and she held me, and she said, "It's okay." This is what you need to do. It will be okay. And she just gave me a really big hug. And it was okay. And I went on to have another daughter. And I have kind of... It, it's kind of ebbed and flowed through my mind. And and by the time I had my fourth child, I was I was so busy with my children that I didn't really give it any thought I didn't want to give it any thought because it was too painful and also I didn't want him to bloody win I didn't want it to have a bearing on my life but every once in a while I'd think but what if he does it to somebody else what if he hurt somebody else and I didn't do anything about it I didn't report him I literally just walked away from my whole life at uni and anything, everything to do with it, I got rid of every single... When when my, my friends sent down my stuff, I put basically just put it all in the bin. I know that sounds probably quite weird, but I think that's part of it, is that you don't want anything to associate with that time. I just didn't want any... I just didn't want to think about it. But I think the thing is that... It is a trauma. It's something very difficult to go through. And unless you grieve, unless you allow yourself that space and how long it takes, I don't know. But I definitely... I've been through worse. That's the thing. I've been through so much worse with my dad and with my first husband that I was almost like, I don't even... I don't know where to put this. I don't know how to feel. I've got some lovely male friends. I respect two people in my old team that I worked with for a long time who are male, who I absolutely love. It's not that I've ever turned on men or hated men or adapted the way I dressed. I just... I lost my way for a long time with it. And it was only this year, actually in therapy that it came up and I said I don't know who my body belongs to because I've had children I've had four children and I've been through this horrific ordeal and now my children are bigger but are, is is my body doesn't feel like mine because somebody did something awful and I'm a bit broken by it so we talked a lot about that and I think going through it in huge detail really really helped to kind of say it out loud it was really painful it was really horrible Uh, as for my mum I ended up speaking to her about it as well because she said she couldn't remember me ever telling her that again I can't even go there I, I don't know what to believe So she asked me to talk to her about it. She said that she knew I was acting very strangely when I got back from university. So I talked to her. She reached out to me and said, you know, she held my hand. She said, it's not your fault. You do know that, don't you? And we kind of talked about it as much as you can talk to someone who, I guess, has a limited kind of empathy. (laughs) Uh, but what i i think what I'm trying to say is that I know it wasn't my fault now, and I know that it was something very painful I went through. I've—I've—and I have never let it define me. I've—I—it has obviously affected my life. I—I'm not brilliant at walking home on my own. I have I fell out with a friend 2 years ago about about uh rape because she having known what I'd been through n- not any detail but having known what happened to me she said that it would never happen to her because she's too careful honestly I could have fucking slapped her on the face nobody asked to go through that and I was like wow that is a really shit thing to say we didn't fall out there and then but it it was the beginning of the end because I can't hang around with people that think things like that I just can't and actually people are have this is what gets me people do have very misguided views I mean my parents generation would definitely probably say you know you were asking for it you were wearing a short skirt you shouldn't have been drinking there are people that think that But I also look at my own daughters now, who are 18 and 20, and I think, you wear what you want. I have made mistakes and said, you know, are you sure you want to wear that? Because the old fear creeps in, but they're a lot more switched on by me than me. And I also need to trust them and trust their decisions and... God, it was so hard when my daughter started uni. I was so, that was tough. I was very triggered by that because I was like, what if something happens to her? I can't, you know, I won't, I can't bear it, um, you know. But I, I I, couldn't put my stuff onto her. That's the thing when you're a parent. You can't put that onto them because that's something awful that's happened to you. It doesn't, it's not fair on them. And I didn't want to sully her experience of going to uni I've had to really trust in her and the universe, you know, and let her live her life. It's not fair. But my God, that has been tough, I have to say. And I didn't even realise it at the time. I was so distraught when she went and I couldn't... And then it suddenly dawned on me, you are freaking out because you're scared of something like that happening to her. And I think that's the thing. I don't think I've ever lost the fear. You have a fear that is very hard to explain. I have it when I'm around my dad now. I'm terrified of him losing it or suddenly flipping out. And it's it's a large part of why I've, I've been anxious for a long time. And it all happened in, in very quick succession between... Him being abusive for a long time, and then what happened at university, and then meeting my first husband in the same year that it happened. These things, the, the 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 way it all played out was just couldn't have been worse. But I am happy today. Things are okay. I've I I do thank God that I have such an incredible husband and role model for my children and he has made such a difference but the only you have to forgive yourself a little bit as well and you have to accept accept the pain and know that you're not the same but you've just got to try your hardest to make peace with it i think I I don't even, I can't even remember what he looks like. I can't, I don't want to remember. And every time I get flashes of, of what happened and, you know, for a long time afterwards, getting my period was difficult. But I've, you adapt and you, you kind of, I have made peace with it now, but that's why I can talk about it and I think it's really important when people have been through sexual assault, they hide in the shadows because being in the dark means that you're not you're not having to face it. And I do, I so get it. But if you are struggling and you have been through something like I have and you haven't told anybody, please do. Because honestly, it will eat away at you. It will eat away at you. Um, I just, the only thing, as I said, is I hope and pray he hasn't done it to anybody else. Obviously, I'm never to know. I never went back to Scotland where I was at university. I don't regret it. I don't regret walking away. There's no point regretting it. I had to for my sanity. And sometimes you have to make that call at the time and honour that. So I would say that, you know, be kind to yourself about If you've been through something like this and understand that there are going to be triggers and there are going to be things that that bring it back and make it painful, it will be with me forever, you know, that, that pain. But it's manageable. It's not every day. And I have a life away from what happened. I've built a life away from what happened. I really hope this episode helps someone out there. And I so, so appreciate you listening to this episode. Thank you so much. And I know it's a big one. It's the biggest one. There is no other big (laughs) reveals. This, This is all of who I am, that I've spoken to you about. I'm terrified of publishing this, but I'm going to, I'm going to. Um, Sending you all so much love, take care.